music from one of the many street performers in New Orleans. This is Dusty Thibodeau, Warlock Report. Joining me, Jeremy Harper from Hal Razor. Jeremy, if we hear jazz music, we say New Orleans. Do you know what that means? I think it means it's time for Sunbelt Media Days, right? Media Days, of course. Of course, the, the signs still say Media Day. This is the first year that they've had the multi-day event. But we're here. And that, why do they have a multi-year event, though? Welcoming in four new teams yes. to the Sun Belt, two divisions. And we're a month away from kickoff, Jeremy. I mean, I, I'm, I'm almost speechless to know that we are this close to having Sun Belt Conference football again. Yeah, August 2nd is when I know when the uh, Red Wolves assemble. And the next day they start practicing. I'm sure the schedule is the same for just about everybody. Which means we are just on the cusp of football season. No more July content. I can hear the popping of pads already, and that is the best sound ever. So as we get ready for this kickoff episode, we're looking at the Sunbelt East. Obviously, Appalachian State sitting atop the Sunbelt Conference standings there. They were the champions last year of the East, fell just short against Louisiana Lafayette in the championship game. But we'll hear from Sean Clark, as well as the student-athletes of the Mountaineers, when they talk about what can they do to get back into that championship game. We're also going to hear from some of the newbies in the East, including JMU, who's picked to finish next to last. But you'll hear from Coach Signetti. I don't think he buys it. I don't think he thinks he's going to finish next to last. No, and, and he had the best line, you'll hear it in the interview, where he's used to standing up at these type of media events. And, and talking about how they're on the cusp of competing for another national title, which is true. If, if, if we were in the FCS ranks in the CAA, yeah, James Madison getting ready for another deep run into the 1AA playoffs and, and compete for the national title. This year, though, there's such a question mark that nobody really knows what to do with the Dukes. Hey, you know what? James Madison's coming in cocky, and so is ODU, who is picked to finish last. But their coach, Rainey, did we pronounce that right? Coach Rainey? Coach Rainey. Yeah. Ronnie. Ronnie. That's right. Like the Ron- Coach Ronnie. We still have some new faces and new names to learn. Coach Ronnie made an interesting, uh, made an interesting quote when he was up at the mic. He said that uh, hatred is good, that indifference kills. So he understands the importance of rivalry. And I have a feeling that JMU, ODU, the new guys from Marshall, they're all going to supply a great level of rivalry here at the Sunbelt. And then, of course, we'll cap off the afternoon with Commissioner Keith Gill. Always a great interview. Always a great interview. I can tell you this. He was not a fan of my 21st anniversary of Sunbelt Conference football. He was not a fan of the promotion that I wanted to have. But you'll hear it all in this episode. So let's get ready and kick it off with Appalachian State. Joining the Thunderbelt Podcast. The Sunbelt East favorites with Appalachian State, head coach Sean Clark, Chase Bryce, as well as defensive player Stephen Jones Jr. Jeremy, we're surrounded by Mountaineers. I know. What are we going to do? I guess we got to talk to him. <laughs> I guess so. Sean Clark, I was going to ask you a question right off the bat. It's kind of a 50,000-foot question because only because you've been here before. What does it take to win an SBC's championship? Well, you have to be, for, you have to be lucky in some ways. That's, that's number one. And I think, you know, in our conference, you have to stay healthy. I mean, that's uh, probably the biggest thing. The depth, sometimes we have some issues with some depth, and there is a drop-off from one to two or two to three, and 
and, and again, you have to be you have to come out of non-conference healthy. And that, that's number one. And we have a tough time. We have a tough non-conference schedule this year. We what kind of comes to Boone and we go to Texas A&M and get right in the conference play. So um, if you do that, if you stay healthy and don't turn the football over, you guys chance to win. So Stephen Jones, I, I I can't lie to you. Looking at the student athletes that were coming here, I was like, all right, Chase Bryce is here, great. And then the defensive player, and I was like, I don't know who the hell that dude is. And then I started doing the research. He's like second team All American. How do you keep yourself flying under the radar where no one knows who you are, but then you're like the man? <laughs> I mean, throughout the years at Ohio State, I just always stay humble. So I always prepare for this time. I kind of feel like this time is going to come. So I just try to stay humble and keep things flying. Like, there's more to come. Trust me. Is it also in practice that, that you have the bragging rights? You're like, Chase, you get all this press, but I got the, I got the ball. <laughs> you get all the press. Hey. He's a man. Hey, as long as he just throw it my way, that's all I wanted to do. <laughs> hey, we have a lot of fun in practice because um, Steve and Joe, he knows that we're going to throw it deep. But probably the first play every single year that, that he talks smack to me. It's, it's a it's a love relationship. But, uh, you know, one thing that really surprises me is he, we have an All-American set here and the second team all-conference player. And there must be some damn good corners in this this conference this year. Because I don't see one being better than Stephen Jones. Oh wow! So, uh, looking at all the quarterbacks in the Sun Belt, there's a lot of inexperience. Sun Belt inexperience. A lot of new guys coming in from different places. A lot of uh, younger guys coming up. But App State has the luxury of having a veteran quarterback coming back. How important is that to App State for this year? It's it's very important. I, I, you show me an experienced quarterback, I'll show you a team that has a chance to win a championship. And uh, we're very fortunate to have Chase here for his second season. And, uh, and he's been through it before. He started off at Clemson and Duke, and now he's he's a Mountaineer. And uh, this is leadership skills, the way he uh, holds himself accountable to not only himself, to his teammates. And, and he has that uh, that field general look he has. And uh, we're very excited to have him here. He's competitive. He, he believes black and gold. We got rid of that orange stuff down in Clemson, South Carolina. And, um, we're excited he's here. So Chase, with that, we know what you can do behind center there, but how great is it though that you have that option of not one, but two phenomenal running backs behind you that really complement what you can do through the air? Yeah, it, it makes this a lot easier. When, when you have a run game to balance out what we want to do in the passing game, and you can give it to them on any down. I mean, we've given it to them on third and 14. Cam goes against 25. Nate, Nate goes against 20. It's uh, it's a great luxury to have. Um, I'm super excited for. Well, uh, you guys okay? Yeah, okay. Okay. And I'm super excited for uh, Kanye, Amani, um, Castle. I mean, we've got a stable, and I know that Cam and Nate are, are the two most known. But um, during the year, you'll see you'll see a, some more backs back there. Did you have a chance to kind of sit back and really take in what, what, what you did last year, able to break, I mean, one of the greatest quarterbacks in, in App State history, uh, Armani Edwards' records, to say, golly, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty damn good. We made it to Lafayette in the championship game. Yeah, it didn't go the way we wanted to, but we made it. Right. I've always been a confident quarterback um, in my abilities. Um, I know I was a long, long time backup, had an opportunity to do it didn't go so well, but I 
I probably took a, maybe a day or two to feel sorry for myself um, and also blame myself. Wasn't prepared for that moment. I thought I was. Um, and then last season, going into the offseason, everything wanted to change the narrative about me and myself. Um, what people think of me. Um, not that I care as much, but, you know, I want to have an opportunity to win, and I need to be a good quarterback for App State for us to have a shot at some of the championship at a bowl game. Um, so going into this year, just going to continue that and, and try to be more consistent. Obviously all eyes on you, but you got to have a good quarterback that pushes you on the field, off the field. Tell me about McBride. And, and how great he is coming in with his experience from Texas State. Yeah, he's a he's he's a great dude. He's a hoot. Um, honestly, he's he's a funny dude. Very talented. Very athletic. Um, it's good to bring have a guy that, that brings a lot of experience as well that we can communicate on different levels than I would be able with you know Reinberger or DC. Um, you know, and he's he's pushing me out there in, in, in our practices and in the summer workouts. So, but I'm also getting him along quickly to, uh, to understand the offense, the ins and outs, things like that. And Coach Marvey's doing a great job with that as well. You know, when I think of about Appalachian State, I always think of a very complete team. And we've talked about offense a lot, but quite frankly, I feel like Appalachian State defense is, is, is where the strength of Appalachian State is. The offense is great, but the defense always seems to close things out. How's the defense going to be this year? I think we're a very solid defense. We're going to be young. Um, we lost some, some key opponents. We had a draft pick that's, and Marco Jackson's with the Saints. And, and that, you can't replace that. That's, that's five years of, of exceptional football. And we've had uh, Demetrius Taylor, who's graduated, Caleb Spurs, who's graduated. We have Jordan Earl, who's back to anchor the inside for us. We have um, uh, Nick Hampton, who I think is an all-conference player. He'll have a legitimate chance of being drafted this year, Jalen McLeod. And anytime you have Stephen Jones in the back end, you got a chance to be successful. And... Um, but there's some uh, some names we have to find out who they're going to be. But the one thing you can't coach is team speed. And I think we'll be faster this year on defense than we were last year. Steven, tell us some more about the defense there and, and kind of how you see things from the, the secondary. Uh, yeah, we just have a lot of young guys coming in, but these young guys are they're 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 they're, they're quick on picking up on learning. Like they'll listen to anything I say and just take it onto the field and and thrive with it. Like it's easy to coach somebody like that. Like you can't have no guy that's just gonna come in and think they're it's high school. It's not high school. You gotta learn. It's not the same. And just with those young guys, when you have guys like that, it's just. They're going to turn into some great guys in about another two or three years. Well, guys, we appreciate the Eastern champions, the reigning champions of the East, joining us on the Fun Belt Podcast. Thanks, guys. Appreciate having on. Thank you. Last year's runner-up in the Sun Belt East and this year's pick for second place in the Sun Belt East, the Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina join uh-huh. us with Gerard Clark, the man up the middle, and defensive side and then Jeremy's favorite player Grayson McCall <laughs> yes Welcome in, guys. Grayson McCall is my favorite player is he here is he across the table from us right across from me. yes <laughs> you gotta wake up from your nap uh, I'm very tired right now long day last night how you guys doing how you guys enjoying it is this the first time you've been to a, a Sunbelt uh, media day sure, yes. yep. so uh did you get to do anything last night? Yeah, I went and uh, got some cage food, some seafood, some oysters, stuff like that. I got to walk around a little bit, 
to the, uh, the nightlife and uh, people go crazy and stuff Not like that. too much nightlife. No. Because right. right. it can get pretty nutty. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you ever heard of Bourbon Street, but yeah, it, yeah. it's pretty raucous down Absolutely. there. So guys pick second in the Sun Belt by the coaches for the for the Sun Belt East. That is a really tough division. How are you guys going to survive that? Yeah, you know, I think it only it only improves this year with, with uh, adding teams and uh, you know just kind of get that more that much more competitive. So you know, we really got to prepare each week. Uh, can't really take any uh, any opponent for granted. You know, uh, you can lose uh, you can lose any game. So uh, just uh, just preparing to come with the, uh, the same mindset every week will be important. So obviously the shots have always had kind of their thing every year. Gerard, you lost the mullet for this year. What what happened with the mullets? Um, uh, they moved on in life. You know, they, they graduated. Silas is with the Cleveland Browns. You know, Teddy's part of the coaching staff. But, you know, you know, they set a good example for guys like Shane Bruce, Trey Pickney, JT Killen, and Mason Shelton, like guys who were just like under their wing and they set the right example. So like, we, we lose experience as far as like guys who actually like played the game. But you know. The mental aspect and the, the job and expectation is still set at home with each other. So, you guys, you guys probably, especially the defense, has a have a really interesting week one challenge, and that's with with Army. Army always makes their opening uh, team look stupid because nobody's really ready for Army. Are you going to be ready for Army? Well, we're going to be ready. Um, you know, camp is really going to be like preparing for Army, so it's like. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of physical practices, a lot of just putting your body on the line and just trying to make a play. And, you know, our, like our coach talks to us, like, our defensive line coach, he talks to us and tells us, like, you know, you got you to gotta sacrifice yourself. Like, it's going to hurt, but in that moment, you got to do whatever you can to win because they're a downhill, pound the ball type team, and they're not going to ease up for us because we're not, we maybe not be prepared, but we'll be prepared for that game. If I were you, I would look at the game they played against Georgia State last yeah. year. They were really surprised with what happened um, at that one. We watched Navy play them the best. Navy played them very physical up front. It was a high-scoring game, but kind of looking at them, we kind of like look at the do's and don'ts, but you know, they were really physical, and it kind of caused a little havoc, so you know, we're going to try to go with the same game plan. Create some havoc up front, we'll get them off the game and make them open up their playbook. So we, we know about the defensive side, but Grayson, first and foremost, how's the shoulder going as you get ready for this upcoming season? Yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing really well. Uh, threw again like two, three days ago, probably uh, the best I felt so far. But, you know, just constant rehab for the past five and a half months. Um, really trying to get my strength back, my motion back, stuff like that. But I feel really good right now. Uh, we, have a great, um, we have a great training staff at school that has helped me out the whole way. And, Coaching staff, my teammates have been behind me the whole way, keeping me motivated, things like that. So, sort of feels good, and I'll be ready to go camp. Now, you got Pickney that came in from Georgia State, but you also lost a lot of guys at wide receiver, tight end, for instance. Uh, is there going to be any fall off, or you guys feel confident with what you have? Yeah, you know, um, obviously you can't replace Isaiah Likely, you can't replace Javon Hiley. That's just, that's just how it is. You can't replace guys like that. I mean, they were excellent last year. And uh, like you said, Sam Pickney, he's a, a huge add. He, he's, uh, he really came in and, and took over his role, and he fits in really well. And So we're really excited. Gonna, he's going to do great things for us this year. And, and we've got some young guys that have been waiting their turn that are extremely athletic, uh, that can go get the ball, that can run by some people. So, you know, we're excited to, to throw those guys out there and see what they can do. And, you know, uh, I'm going to try to make them a little better as we go and, you know, kind of bring them along. But we're really excited to play those new guys. Everyone knows Sean's offense. 
but the defense first or second across the board in the Sunbelt Conference. You're a big part of that. Got the individual award there of, of being named to the top 1,000 for East-West Shrine. How do you see that defense kind of shaking out to kind of complement the offense, knowing they did lose so much from last year? Um, you got to just look at it. You know, we lost a lot, too. Like, our offense lost a lot. We lost a lot. And it's kind of relying on each other to really just – if one person, like if offense messes up, defense gonna pick up the slack. Defense messes up, offense gonna pick up the slack. Like we gotta be the backbone for each other. We can't just be solely like we're gonna be defense. We're gonna just worry about strictly defense. Like we gotta put our offense in the best position possible. Whether that's getting the three and out, you know, on the opposite side of the fifty, you know, forcing uh, uh, field goals instead of touchdowns, just you know, putting our offense in the best position to seal the win for us. Artarium Johnson and. Tight end Zach Kuntz joins the Fun Belt Podcast. Artarium, last year, honorable mention in Conference USA with 91 tackles. What do you see out of that Monarchs defense coming into the Sun Belt this upcoming year? Uh, experience. We got way more experience than we did last year, uh, especially up front. A lot of guys, first time playing college ball last year were up front. Uh, also in uh, the linebacker room, Jason Henderson, this is his first year playing. This will be his second year, so. It's a lot of, we'll, we'll be more experienced than we were last year. That's a big thing for us coming into this season. So no one really seems to know much about this Monarchs. What, what do you tell people about Old Dominion and about the Monarchs as a whole? Uh, we always been an underdog. So, I mean, we already got we always got that chip on our shoulder, you know, that people won't doubt us. So we're not the team that you won't doubt, to be honest with you. Uh, we're going to play hard. We're tough and physical. Play Zach, the man that's the tight end, the, the next great tight end in the Sunbelt Conference there. 692 yards, five touchdowns, first team all Conference USA last year. What's the secret to, to, to being the great tight end that you are? Do you feel that you're more of a pass receiver or, or blocker on, on your game? Well, I mean, you know, just, just with our offense last year, you know, I was put in a lot of positions uh, to, to help our offense be productive. And, uh, you know, one of the key things is just being able to execute and, you know, being on the same page with our quarterback. You know, we had some some ups and downs, you know, offensively, trying to, trying to catch drive with some things last year. Um, and, you know, that's been one of the biggest things this offseason is, is being able to have that consistency. And, you know, in the times where we kind of felt that lull, at least offensively, you know, we, we've been trying to iron those things out. And, you know, that's where we're super excited going into camp uh, to be able to get the pads on and <clears throat> be able to get the whole offense obviously back together and, and kind of get that chemistry going. Uh, but as far as, you know, just, just playing-wise, you know, Coach Ronnie always says to me, he's just, you know, you know, never try to do too much. If you're trying to do, you know, everything at once, it, it's it's more about, you know, just playing ball, and, you know, and, and just, just trusting your training and, and, like, doing things that we've been doing. And, you know, having that having that faith and, and the trust in our coaches. And, you know, they have, they have faith in us. They have trust in us. And, you know, you got to have that be mutual between each other and, you know, being on the same page. I think that's one of the biggest things. So you followed Coach Ronnie from Penn State. Kind of compare, what, what was it like being at, like, the real big P5 of, of Penn State and now being at, at Old Dominion? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't even always try, try and compare them, you know, because trying to compare any two things, you can always look at this or you can look at that. Um, but, you know, like I always say, I think one of the biggest things that, that's important is the people that you're around and the relationships that you have. Uh, because, you know, coach that, that wants the best for you, not only on the football field, but also off the field. 
And like they want you to be a great football player, but they also want you to be a great man. And I, I really think that that goes much longer than just football. But I think it does help uh, me personally as as a player. Uh, you know, have, having that that extra faith and, and having that you know relationship and trust that I that I have with them. You know, it, it gives you that extra push, and I, I really think that helps translate into the field. Terry, the linebacker assignment's always the tight end. How do you, how do you stop Zach? Uh, without without trying to cut down the offensive <laughs> you know numbers that he's going to put up this year. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously picked picked it at the bottom of the Sunbelt East this year. You, you talked about having a chip on your shoulder. Is that really the big motivator for y'all, for people to see, hey, we're not the seventh best team in the Sunbelt East. You know, we're, we're the second, the third, the first, whatever. Is, is that really the big driver for y'all? Uh, it's, it's preseason, so, I mean, that's what they think. We figure out the real ones and twos and threes at the end of the season. That's how I look at it. Big season opener this year with uh, Virginia Tech. Mm -hmm. How big of a game is that? Not only because it's a good regional game, but also just y'all's first chance to really shine and show the world about the Sun Belt and the Monarchs. Yeah, so, you know, going into that week, you know, like I said before, we're, like we're super excited to get going during camp. You know, we've, we've had that time to, to work as a team during the summer workouts. You know, it's, it's super limited uh, with a lot of the things that we can do. Uh, so going into going into camp, you know, ironing all those things out, you know, getting super excited. The focus is on us going into camp, and then you know we'll be able to flip that switch to, to tech. But but like you said, you know, school is in Virginia. Obviously, you have that that rivalry going. You know, Coach Ronnie and Coach Pry uh, going head to head. So you know, it's, it's super exciting. You know, the story the stories are there are definitely there. You know, the hype leading up to it. Uh, but, but like you said, it's it's there's, it's not an obstacle. It's an opportunity uh, for us to really show what we have. As, as RT kind of said earlier, is we do have that experience coming back on defense and on offense. And you know we were a young team last year, and you know a lot of us were kind of finding our roles and figuring that thing out. And so, you know, another another year of experience under our belt, um, all around as a whole team. I think it's going to help us tremendously, not just offense, defense, but also in special teams. And you know, I think that's going to be a huge a a aspect for us because. Uh, you know, you got to play a complete game, and you can play in good competition. Yeah. Ricky Rain, the new guy in the block from Old Dominion, joins the Fun Belt podcast. One in eleven, uh, two years ago, your first year there at Old Dominion, and then you just decided, ah, I don't want to play in 2020, so we'll, we'll take a break. But we come back on fire in 2021 rattling off six wins to, to make your way to a ball game. Take us back through that, that kind of crazy past two years for you, or three years. Yeah, well, I mean, so I got there actually after the 111 season. That was, that was, that's when the transition happened. So, um, you know, so my first year there, I don't, I don't get to coach football, <laughs> which is uh, awkward. You know, we still practice. We did some things like um, basically, uh, you know, we did some things basically like, like, like a spring ball, you know what I'm saying? And it was, at first, we were going to get to put the pads on. So I had to get some approval from the NCAA to finally get pads on, which 
if we would have had to go a whole semester without a pass, that might have been that might have been a serious issue. So we ended up going, uh, you know, and, and I think we, we were able to work on some things like fundamentals and things like that. You know, and I think that that really helped us out. Um, it didn't show up early in the 2021 season because obviously we started off one and six, um, but then you know we won five in a row there at the end, and, and, and that you know the guys kept plugging along, and I saw improvement the whole time. We had. We lost in overtime by one, you know, one game. We lost by one point. We had the lead in the fourth quarter in another game and then lost by four. So it, there were some moments there where we could have uh, captured. And I think we, what, what it was about was to learn how to finish games. And then that was, that, was, that was a key part of it. So made it to the bowl game. What, what, was that a victory in your eyes, even if the game didn't go the way you wanted it to, knowing that you started the season one and six? Yeah, I don't really believe in moral victory. So obviously, Tulsa was a great football team, and, and, and they got us that day. And uh, you know, they had the first round pick, and, and uh, they were a big team, and, and they did some great things against us. And I thought they had a good plan. And it was sort of fun, so a lot of credit to that. It was an important step for us. We would say it was a victory, but I would say it was a win rather. I think it was an important step we needed to get to a bowl game because uh, we needed to be able to kind of look at these sort of things and say to ourselves, "Hey, how do we handle?" Um, academics during this time. How do we handle cracks? It was different for me, right? Because I, I usually when I've been doing it, um, we would, you know, all the whole years I've been to were in January and, and all those sort of things in some of the places I've been to. So it was a different experience for me personally. Uh, it was a different experience for our kids, and I think it was something we needed to do so we could continue to build this program. You have all the right pieces in place with. Most notably, you're, you're tied in there, uh, Jack Coots. Obviously, he's a big guy, literally. But how big is he to your offense and the success of the Monarchs' off- offense this year? Yeah, he's actually he's a big kid, but he, his, his production has been, you know, next level. He, he's blocked a lot better than people have uh, given credit for. And just in general, our tight ends have been very productive. I mean, you know, Dante Anthony's a very good player for us. Isaiah Spencer coming back off the injury, but he's going to be a great player for us again. So you know, we've got some tight ends who can play weapons. And, and in today's day and age, being able to have big guys who can both block and, and um, you know, catch, catch balls after the catch, they're good. I mean, that's something that really gives us another level. Um, we, can, we can look like 12 personnel sometimes, and other times we're all spread out, the same people on the field. So I think that that's a, that's a major weapon for us because it makes people uh, kind of show us their hand, and, and I think that that's something we've, we've been able to use our advantage. You're also one of the few teams returning a quarterback in, in redshirt sophomore Hayden Wolf passed for just under 2,000 yards last year. How big is that to have kind of that continuity also of your, your team as you continue to progress? Yeah, well, they started our last seven games for us, um, and I think that that was, uh, you know, we ended up going five and two in those games, and, and, and he made some, made some big-time plays for us, some big-time throws. Uh, you know, there's some plays that I know he wishes he was better at, um, but there are some other ones where, you know, he's, he's going to look at and say, hey, that was, that was a high-level play that he just made. Um, now, we're still going to determine who's going to be our starter. I mean, it's an open competition like all the positions. We have other guys, DJ Mack, who started our first, uh, our first six games for us. Uh, is still around. Uh, we've got a transfer, Brendan Clark, from Notre Dame. He gives us another opportunity to give the guys. So we're going to put that, and that's going to be a competition that's going to build and build and build. And, and, and whoever gives us the best chance to win is going to be the guy who plays. But 
the things that Hayden has done. And obviously, I'm excited about what he, what he was able to do with Dean last year. Finding information out about ODU is next to impossible. Why are the monarchists out on an island all by themselves and unable to really make the name for themselves? Yeah, um, you know, I, I think where we've been and, and maybe what we've done in the past, I, I think social media, we've done a much better job as a program over the last basically um, year. Um, I think we've done a nice job on that and got our story out there. And we need to do a better job as a, as a university and, and as an um, athletic program, as a football program, telling our story. We have a great story to tell. You know, we're in an area of 1.7 million people in the 757 area. You know, we have an on-campus stadium, you know, 24,000 uh, students. You know, what I mean? so we have an unbelievable, you know, turning into a, a research one institution. So we have some great things to tell, and we need to do a great job. Um, we had um, we got a new president last year. He's done a great job, Dr. Handel, and uh, he's got a great vision. And I think as that continues to coalesce, I think our story will get more and more out there. So we were talking before we we started recording there that you're a huge baseball guy. Give me the rundown of your top three stadiums that you've been to. Uh, you know, I had a we had a great trip this this past year. You know, we go different ones every year, and this year we did uh, Arizona, we did uh, San Diego, we did the Dodgers, and we did the, the Angels. So it was a, a good trip, and I think uh, really liked Petco, which uh, is San Diego, but it didn't quite make the top three. Um, Loved Arizona just because you know it's 110 outside. It was actually I think and they have air conditioning. It was there because 71 inside is beautiful. So it was 102 I think, and it was 71 inside. That was great. But my top three are I'm, I'm a traditionalist, so my top three are the three oldest. My top three are Wrigley, Fenway, and then I loved Dodger Stadium. I loved I loved it because. Um, you know, they dive into that 60s nostalgia. You know, people don't realize it's the third oldest stadium in, in, in baseball stadium in the country. And they dive into that 60s nostalgia. And you feel, when you walk around, like it's 1964, you know. And, and uh, I think that that was a really cool feel for me and, and for my kids. I don't love that there's nothing around it, right? There's no bars and film, nothing. So you don't get quite that atmosphere to it. But everyone comes to the game early. People are walking around and doing that sort of thing. Uh, it's very clean. Um, Wrigley, you know, I'm from Colorado. And when I grew up, the Rockies weren't around yet. Um, they didn't get there until I was 13 years old. So. I grew up as a Cubs fan, you know, because that's WGN, that's who we had. Uh, Ryan Sandberg was my favorite player, and, and uh, the day we went to the Cubs game, uh, my buddy who gave us the tickets for that game, he knew Ryan Sandberg, and he texted him and had Ryan Sandberg come and meet me at the game. So I meant just sitting in the stand watching, and all of a sudden Ryan Sandberg comes up and asked, asked who, where I was and who I was, and, and I got to meet him. So that was a... Unbelievable! My kids still make fun of me because I was starstruck. You know, I was like a, I was, I, I fanned out there, and, um, and then you know Fenway is just okay. awesome. Just being around that area, and, and yeah, like I'm a big guy, you know, um, so I barely fit in those seats. I mean, um, my wife's tall, you know, so she's five eleven, and, and she barely fits in the seats. But so those aren't her three favorites, but they're those certainly are mine. I definitely agree with Fenway being great. Wrigley, I got I got to ask though. Old Wrigley, original Wrigley, or the new and improved Wrigley? So, okay, I've only been to the new and improved one. Oh. Um, because the old one I'd never been to. Um, my 
wasn't lucky enough to ever get to it. So I've only been to the new and improved one. Um, and I got a little bit different feel there <laughs> because I actually, when we, it's the only time we've done it in our baseball tour, I actually sat in a suite that day. So that was a different feel for us. Now, my kids loved it there because it was free hot dogs, you know what I mean? So they were crushing. Um, but so it was a, that was a little bit different deal, but man, it just, just being there was, was such a special thing. And, uh, you know, and just the atmosphere around it, you know what I mean? It made my kids want to uh, both move to Chicago and Arizona. So that, that was kind of So with your, with your love of baseball, do you, do you ever kind of cross over in, into the spring uh, and, and get involved with Monarchs baseball at all? I go to the games. I mean, I, I don't think Coach Finwood wants me to go to the games sometimes because I think last year we only won one game I was at. We actually won two. Uh, I went to like eight games, and we're really good, right? I mean, I think I probably went to every one of our home losses. I mean, we, we, we are awesome at home. And uh, we won two games that I was at. One we dominated. The other one um, I left because we were, we were losing and I had somewhere else to go. We were down six runs in the ninth inning and came back and won after, after I left. So I think Coach Finwood does not want me coming back around. But we're, you know, we're getting a new baseball stadium there. Coach Finwood deserves it. Uh, it's another great thing that's happening with Old Dominion. Um, so I'm excited about that too. And, and uh, I, I, love our, I, I love going to all our sports. I go to as many of the games as I possibly can. I think it's important that I show uh, support to the other team because I know how much they support us. Um, and also, I love it. Right? I just like going to those sort of things, so it's fun for me. Joining us now on the Fun Belt Podcast, the student athletes from the Georgia State Panthers. Malik last year only allowed 23 sacks throughout the entire season. What was kind of the secret of the sauce of that offensive line? Uh, really, the coach does a great job of keeping things simple. Like he's not he's big on like making it simple for the guys. You know, he tells the coaches every week, like, hey, why are we doing all this back and forth preparation? Let's make a simple call this and call it a day. So, really, how simple it was, and obviously, the uh, experience we had, you know, the line we had last year, we were playing the game since what, like 2019. And even this year, we were losing one, so we had a ton of experience coming back. A lot of guys across the league always battle fatigue, battle injuries. You've had 41 straight games started. How do, how do you keep yourself in shape and, and, and ready to go week after week? Things we do in the weight room, it's not just the weight room. Um, everything we do in the weight room, he explains that this is going to help us on the field. Like, if there's a First lunge or something, like simulate explosion on the field, like extra position is key. So that's what we're gonna do. Like we don't just want to wait on just lift weights. We do things that will help us on the field. And all I have to say is that Blake third team All Conference last year, coming in seventh in school history in tackles. Kind of sum up your career there. How, how have you done, or how do you feel you've done with the Panthers? Um, I've had a decent career. Um, it definitely could have been better. It, it will get better this past year. And I want to wrap it up with some uh, championships. So. I believe y'all were picked second there in the, the Sunbelt East. You feel that's about right coming into the season? And then what do you think it takes to kind of make that leap up to the top spot? Um, I feel like uh, with most of the games we played last year, uh, we should have won. We, we, we had problems finishing games last year, so that's going to be the difference this year. But with the standings, uh, I feel like uh, 
I guess, I guess they finally put some respect on her name, you know, making a second or I think it was third behind Coastal or something like that. But I don't know. I, I don't care too much about it, but you know, I'm glad that we got some respect. That we wasn't getting it for. Last year, the big game, obviously, was the Louisiana Lafayette game. Close game, 21-17 difference. How do you feel that the team's really prepared to kind of go over that hump and get ready for the next big game? Well, um, well I know as a defense standpoint, we, we always look at games like that as uh, games for us to show what we can do. And, you know, we love being in those type of environments where we have to prove ourselves back, you know, back to back, like week to week. So um, I feel like... That's just the next up for us. We, we already been in those close games and those those fights, those dog fights, so we're used to that. Lee, Georgia State was always the new kid on the block as the kind of the most recent addition to the Sunbelt Conference. Now you got a whole new division, it seems like. How familiar are you with these new teams coming into the league? Uh, well, actually, I was getting recruited by James Madison in high school, so I'm pretty familiar with those. Uh, they have beautiful campus up there. And then Marshall, that's the team you saw when he football game playing. So I'm pretty familiar with them. Uh, there are some great teams like Marshall played App State to the close to the end last year. So um, some of it was already in conference with me with the addition of those couple teams. It's even got better. Definitely up there with the best um, G5 conferences out there. Charles Huff. Head coach of the Thunder and Herd joins us on the Fun Belt Podcast. Coach, second season, recap that last year, uh, really kind of did pretty well there in Conference USA. How do you expect that success to carry over into the Sun Belt? Well, I think what we were able to do is kind of lay the foundation. Uh, obviously, we were um, there's a lot of areas we need to improve on off of last year. Uh, we were able to lay the foundation. Uh, we were able to kind of create the identity in which we play, which we practice, which we prepare. Um, from a holistic standpoint, and organizationally, you know, the way we recruit, you know, what we're looking to bring in as far as character and athleticism. Um, so it was a good start. Obviously, making the transition into um, the Sun Belt is going to be another start um, because you're kind of starting all over and you're recalibrating and you're really kind of measuring, you know, your, your, your goals and your uh, personnel and all those things against the team in the Sun Belt. We're excited. I think the competition is going to be good for our program. Whenever you played in that, that New Orleans Bowl, as we're back here in New Orleans, uh, kind of rehashing that, did you know that you were really going to be joining the Sunbelt at that time and know that, you know, you're playing against one of the premier teams of the Sunbelt Conference in Louisiana Lafayette? Uh, we, we had an idea. Uh, we weren't sure when, you know. Um, you know, our focus at that time was, you know, trying to find a way to close the gap for that season. You know, we had a lot of players injured going into that game and trying to make the pieces work. Um, so from the players' perspective, they didn't really, you know, have an idea. But, you know, from an administrative perspective, we've had some conversations. Um, you know, and then obviously when you get there, you get a chance to see the difference, right? You know, from the size, the physicality, um, the structure and organization. You know, I think the Sun Belt's got um, at least three teams that have been ranked in the top 25, you know, multiple times over the last few years. Um, you know, I said it to some other people. You know, you don't win eight plus games without good structure. You know, um, you know, seven, six—that's good players. Uh, when you start winning multiple seasons of eight plus, that's really good structure, and that's what the Sun Belt has. Shifting the focus to this year's the Thunder and Herd team, 
is it a concern? You have no quarterbacks really coming back that have seen significant play time. Obviously, you know that you have a good offense with a good line returning. Obviously, Ali at the running back position, but at the quarterback position, how is that kind of shaping up for you? Yeah, you know, I think it was uh, really good that um, Cam Fancher got to go through all of spring um, to kind of expedite his maturity and maturation. Um, I think it was really good that we got Henry in, you know, early enough to kind of build some bonds and be around the team and learn the system and learn our language and learn you know, where Walmart is, where Chick-fil-A is, you know, the things that you really don't think about. Um, but going into camp, yeah, we, we're going to have to find one. I think we've got two capable guys. Um, I think it was really good for us as a staff to get to see Cam perform all spring. Um, to see his growth, to see the things that he does well, see the things he needs to improve on. Um, and I think it's good to have Henry's experience. You know, at some point, you know, football's football. Um, and, you know, having that experience gives us confidence that by the time we're ready to kick the season off, we'll be ready to go. You got some high-profile guys there to help you really get the Thunder Herd into the mix there of the Sunbelt Conference. Lansky Andrew, a guy that a lot of guys in the Sunbelt are familiar with with his time at Southeastern Louisiana as well as McNeese. What does he kind of bring to the table for that defense? Uh, well, you know, one thing when, when I when I hired Coach Gidry, one, two things. I wanted, you know, a pressure defense. You know, I wanted a team that was not afraid to pressure. Um, and the pressure doesn't always mean blitzing. You know, pressure can mean line stunts. Pressure can mean, you know, showing one thing, doing another. Um, and then I wanted a head coach on the defensive side of the ball. You know, as an offensive head coach, you know, you spend a lot of time on the offensive side of the ball. And sometimes you need that head coach presence um, you know, in the defensive staff room. And Lance brings that. You know, he's kind of my balance. You know, sometimes you know, I bounce some things off of him. But he's been really, really good. Obviously, um, you know, <clears throat> this is his part of the country. He's very familiar with the Sun Belt and the teams and the players um, in this part of the country. So having him on staff making this transition is going to help us kind of identify some who's and players when we get into the recruiting aspect. You know, obviously we won't be recruiting as many players out of New Orleans as we may do closer to Huntington, but you got to be competitive. And if there's really, really good players in this area, we need to know about them. You know, the guy's your offensive coordinator on the other side of the ball there, Clint Trickett. Everyone knows him from last chance you when he was at East Mississippi. Does he still flash the rings to say, Coach, we got to get some of these? I, I need some real rings, not junior college rings. Well, you know what Coach Trickett has? Coach Trickett has a really unique way of um, being himself, but also connecting with all the players. And that's the one thing when I when I met him, you know, years and years ago, that was something that really stuck out to me. Um, and you, you watch him on that show, and it's kind of it's kind of different. You got a guy from West Virginia who's quarterback, who's kind of, you know friends with everybody on the team or connecting with everybody on the team. Um, and then you take on top of it his uh, football knowledge, right? He comes from a football family. You know, he's played quarterback um, at a very high level at multiple institutions. Um, his mind, you know, he's been around some of the great minds. He and I, our paths have kind of crossed in the past. Um, he was with Coach Kiffin, you know, at FAU. Coach Kiffin was at Alabama. Obviously, when I got to Alabama, some of Coach Kiffin's fingerprints were still on some of the things we were doing there. Um, so our ideas, some of our verbiage is the same. So it was a really good match. Um, it was a really easy transition. Um, you don't want to start over. It really helped our players having um, already knowing Coach Trickett and then him just moving into the seat. Obviously, everybody wants to be Alabama. Everybody wants to be Nick Saban. You were one of his top assistants there before going to the Thundering Herd. What part of Alabama have you brought to Huntington as you try to build and establish your own program? Yeah, you know, and I think that's probably the biggest mistake that a lot of people make that haven't been there. Um, you, you, you can't be Alabama. Um, you know, there's only one. Um, and that's a good thing. Um, but what you can do is you can take some fundamental pieces, you know, and apply it on scalability to your level. And that's what we've done. You know, we've taken the discipline. We've taken the uh, consistency and approach. Uh, we've taken the recruiting model. 
Um, we've taken the structure overall as far as the, the holistic development of the student athlete. Um, players that come into the Marshall football program should be more successful in life because of all the things that we help them with, not just football. Um, no, we're not going to have as many first-round draft picks as, as Alabama, um, but we should have as many successful people um, because of the structure. Um, and I think that's what a lot of people you know, who haven't been there, you, you can't just take everything. Um, you got to take some of the core pieces. And for us, it's been the discipline, it's been the consistency and approach. Um, it's been the holistic approach to developing student-athletes on and off the field. Um, we've adapted our academic program, we've adapted our uh, mental health program, we've adapted some of our player development things um, to give our players a better chance to be successful. Obviously, you know, the football is football. you got to recruit really, really good football players. Um, but at some point, the, the, the ball is going to deflate and they got to hang the cleats up. And you hope that all of those things that they learned along the way in your program helps them be more successful. Did you bring the fell room? Is, is the more important thing. <laughs> no, we didn't bring the fill room. Uh, if you go in our visiting locker room, it, it's already uh, it's already rough enough. <laughs> so we didn't need to rename it or paint it. Um, but uh, it's it's ours is already rough enough. So it'll be it'll be a struggle space wise to get in there. So Jeremy, yeah, sitting here Sunbelt Conference Media Days. We've had several guests on already yes. on to Fundamental Podcast. Penetrating, interesting, powerful guests. That is correct. Yeah. So who do we have left to talk with that would make an impact on the Sunday? There's only one person I can think of that would create a bigger impact than the guests that we've already had. I'm already here, Jerry. No, not you. Okay. Commissioner Keith Gill, can we get him on the show? I think so. You're going to go trip him push him down, <laughs> shove a mic in his face. Well, I got a big surprise for you. As it turns out, he is seated right across oh, wow. from us. <laughs> I, I didn't see him. Sorry. Although the lunch was pretty good. For another piece of chicken, I might get up and go back over there. Listen, I had two helpings of the catfish. Catfish is good, too. It is, but I'm feeling pretty bloated right now. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be able to finish this interview. He's, he wants a nap, is what he wants. <laughs> I, well, I won't be do. offended if I hear you snoring. You know, <laughs> I put him to sleep. No, it's the catfish. So, Keith, this is the first time ever, ever, that the Sunbelt has had two media days. In fact, I even see signs still up Sunbelt Media Day. But it's actually Sunbelt Media Days. How yes. do you think it's going so far? I think it's going great. Really excited. A lot of energy in the room. It's so great to have the four new schools, you know, adding those with the kind of 10 core football playing members. Um, it, it, it's just been great. So a lot of good feedback from the coaches and from the student athletes. So I think people are having a good time. And it's a great way to kick off the season. Can't wait till the fall. So. Sorry, Jerry. That's all right. The more important question. So you signed recently a commitment to be here for the next eight years. Yes, yeah. So the first of many media days, how did that deal come about, and why was that an important deal for the Sunbelt Conference? Yeah, you know, so, you know, it was just a conversation that really started between myself and then the chair of, or the president of the Sunbelt, um, Chancellor Danfis, and then, you know, spin it out to the, the full kind of CEOs and just kind of, you know, I wanted to be here and um, and it turns out they wanted to have me, which is really flattering and I, I certainly um, appreciate that, really proud of that. And um, and so, you know, this is kind of where I want to be and, and they wanted to have me and, and so far things are moving in the right direction, certainly with, with their leadership and the leadership of the AD. So thought it was a good match and a good opportunity. With, with your extension, does that also kind of give additional stability to the Sunbelt Conference that it's not, the Sunbelt's going to merge with the SEC or the ACC. <laughs> it, the Sunbelt's still going to be here because we have a commission to 
Yeah, so, uh, you know, it's kind of you to say it that way, you know, but I, but I do think it does bring some leadership stability, you know, and um, and so, you know, we're, we've got some plans that we have in place and we're trying to see those through. Got some work we want to do in the basketball space to get better there. And um, so it just allows everyone to know, hey, I'm going to be here for a little while and we can kind of, you know, roll up our sleeves and kind of get going and continuing this good work that, that has been started by our presidents, our chancellors and our athletic directors. So, because the Sunbelt ex, uh, expanded, you had to expand Sunbelt Media Days to two days. Yeah. But you've also had to expand the bowl slate. We need more bowl games. Right. Now, you had teased that we're in the contention for another bowl. Now, is it all right for me to ask, is this going to be an invented new bowl, or is it a current bowl that's going to be reprocessed for yeah, the Sunbelt? Yeah, it'll probably be, it'll be a current bowl. Yeah, so, um, so it won't be an invented bowl. And I, I think the tricky thing about the bowl is that we're in the middle of a cycle right now. So you got to kind of unravel some deals and then create some more. So it's not as easy and seamless as it will be when we get to 26 and we kind of start with a clean slate and everyone's kind of up for grabs. So I think that, um, but we're excited about it. You know, getting to six for this year really helps us to make sure that we can get, um, take care of most of our teams. We want to get to 50%, so we need to get to seven. So once we get six locked up and announced, then we'll obviously start working on seven to try to get um, get to a point where 50% of our teams can go to bowl games. Very cool. So uh, one thing that uh, seemed to be a popular question or a question that was, uh, required a lot of extensive discussion was it was expansion is expansion over for the Sun Belt? And you yeah. said you were very happy with 14. You felt like 12 was perfect when we were at 12. You yeah. think 14 is perfect when we're now that we're at 14. But then you also mentioned something about just almost off the cuff that you know make 15 would be perfect if we had 15. Are yeah. you implying that we're in negotiations with Notre Dame? <laughs> now I've already. Put if that I told on you, Twitter. I'd have to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I really think my main point is that to me, it's not about a number. I hear everyone talking about x conference is trying to get to x number and it, it really to me isn't or at least not for us I, that's not the way i think about it what i think about it is do we want to add that institution like do they bring value to the Sun Belt? and so that's why i'm like you know we're really good at 14 this is a perfect deal i don't know if you heard me say like if someone had asked me put me under the true serum last year and asked me what the perfect number is i would have said 12. i would have said 12 football playing schools perfect number but when we had the opportunity to add those four schools Sun 14 became the person the perfect number. And my point is, if there's another great school out there, although 15 is a terrible number, we'll go. We would go to 15. And and so, but we're we're really good where we are. But I would not close the door if there's a good opportunity. Something else that you mentioned during your opening address was uh, how the uh, conference is set up to where rivalries is really important. You know, recently we saw uh, the Big Ten. Yes, the Big Ten add uh, USC and UCLA to, right. to their mix, and that just doesn't make a lot of sense in footprints. Do you feel like the strength of the Sun Belt is its rivalry footprint? Yeah, I do. I, I, I do think our philosophy, just because it's a little, it seems to be like it's a little different now, you know? I mean, it seems like every other conference is going in a kind of a little bit of a different approach when you talk about, you know, just how far they travel to play games and those types of things. So I think it's a, there's a uniqueness to it. And then I also think there's value to it because it's going to help us have a better opportunity to fill our stadiums, you know, because I think we're going to get more fans traveling to games. 
I think the home fans are going to be more excited about the teams because they're going to know them. There's going to be history there. The games are obviously going to be good and compelling. So I, I do think our the regional nature of our conference is a selling point and is something that's kind of compelling um, to one of the things that makes us great. So we have members playing men's soccer like Central Florida. I think East Carolina is in there. Is that a preview of the way you think college athletics as a whole is going to go where you have – you know, your football affiliation. We're Sunbelt strong, we're football there. But maybe our basketball is, you know, whatever conference and, and, and women's basketball might be this conference. Is, is it going to kind of shift to that? I don't think so. You know, I think what you find in certain sports, men's soccer, field hockey, sports that aren't, um, they're just not as populated across the landscape in the membership. That's where you find a lot more of affiliate members, you know, because you got to build it. You just don't have enough core members. But in sports where you have core members like a basketball, everybody in the Sun Belt is going to play basketball. So we're always going to have 14 basketball members. There's no room for associate members. You know, the same when you look at baseball, you know, and, and, and softball. You know, we got 12 schools that play softball. So, um, so I don't think that that is necessarily um, some sort of harbinger of the future. I really do think that in some sports where the total number of teams that play are lower, you're going to find that model just because that's the only way you can build a league is to have affiliate members. So, the Commissioner's Cup, the Blue Bulls Cup. Yeah. It's not fair. Not everyone <laughs> no, I plays, love the Blue Cup. Not yeah. everyone <laughs> plays women's checkers in order to make compete for this cup. How do we make that a fair to know who is the best program in the Yeah, so so I guess I would take I would argue a little bit about the fairness comment, you know. So I mean certainly you could say maybe it's imbalanced in, in, in some ways, but I think one, the schools ought to agree to the formula. So it's not like um, somebody was forced to kind of accept it. Everyone agreed to the approach that like everyone kind of knows the rules going in. So I do think it is a reasonable way to kind of identify who the best program is. And certainly, you know, any school can add a sport and any school can invest in another sport if they want to get better and get more points. So I think the competition is is, is very even. Um, I think there's opportunity for all the schools. I don't think it's unfair and, um, and, I, and I don't think there's going to be changes on the horizon. At least it's not something that we've talked about or nothing that's on the radar. And see, I was expecting them to say, yeah, you're right. We're, we're going to rename it. The Gill Cup is coming this year. <laughs> well, first of all, I have. First of all, I never thought, I anticipated we'd ever ask a question about the Boobas Cup. <laughs> but I tell you, we love it at Arkansas State because I think it does uh, uh, tread or uh, weight pretty heavily for track and field, and Arkansas State always does well at track mm-hmm. and field. So, yeah. Hey, w- no changes for us. We're we're, we're good with Boobas Cup. <laughs> you can ask the opposite question, which is. When are you going to announce doubling down on the Boobus Cup formula? You know what I mean? <laughs> That's you know, right, the, yes. The counter. Yeah, if, if, we can, yeah, if we can declare whoever wins it the king of the sun, I, I would appreciate that. Too. Or it, it, it's like the ball picking game where you're like, you're really confident, right? We're going to be really good in football. So we can go all in and do, you know, 15 points there. Right. But, you know, women's track, eh, we're kind of weak. We're only going to do like two points. I, okay, so we were talking a little bit about some of the new sports that were coming in, like soccer, men's soccer, for instance. Mm-hmm. Is, does the conference do anything to help uh, uh, 
conference schools that maybe don't have those programs up and running? Or is that solely up to the schools themselves? It's solely up to the school, you know. So we, we understand those are kind of in some ways local choices that people make in terms of what to sponsor, where to invest, those types of things. And so just because we're starting men's soccer, you know, we're not going to go to Louisiana and say, hey, you need to start men's soccer, I think. And one, we've got a great soccer program. So in some ways, you know, what you do is you try to become as good as you can. And maybe that incentivizes some of the schools maybe to add because they can have those opportunities, you know, as well. So because I'm really excited about our men's soccer program, our men's soccer league. It's going to be exciting. So I, I know that that uh, we're in football season mode, right? We're all getting ready for football season. But expansion really did a lot for baseball. Have you, mm-hmm. have there been any discussions about what the expansion has been doing for Sunbelt Baseball? We have. You know, actually it's interesting. So we're about to um, start kind of a strategic look at baseball and softball. And really from the standpoint of we're really good at those sports, but how can we get better? How can we double down, you know? Because you think about it, we had four teams in the NCAA tournament in baseball last year. We had four teams in softball two years ago. Um, if you add Southern Miss, you know, they hosted a regional last year. Old Dominion was one of the last teams out and certainly um, was in two years ago. So we've got a chance. One, we already are really good in those sports. But we've got a chance to be better. And, and so trying to focus on how can we really maximize those opportunities in the diamond sports is something that we're going to spend the next year kind of really looking at. And, and what's been the feedback that you've gotten from the schools when you, you approach them saying, look, guys, we've got to be better at basketball, better men's, women's scheduling. We just, we've got to be better. What, yeah. what was that feedback? I, I think the feedback's been positive, you know. I, I think the folks understand it because the reality is we had no top 100 net teams in men's or women's basketball. None. Zero. Well, I just think we're a better league than that, you know. Where, what sport do we have where that's kind of the outcome? So we don't have it. So, um, so we really need to kind of take a deep dive into basketball and figure out how we can get better. It's going to take some time because it's hard to move those data points. But I think people recognize it, know that we should be better, and I, and I think people are open to it. Like we're like kicking around um, having a Sunbelt basketball meeting. You now we're going to have to grow it, and it's going to take some time, but it's a good way to maybe try to a spotlight basketball, you know, market it, promote it in a better way. And that may be helpful in the long run. So things like that will be Keith, we would chance. attend. If that, okay. if that helps with that idea, I'm sure Tibbs and I would attend a Sunbelt Media Day. Uh, I've been to Sunbelt Media basketball days before. It was in Gold Hot Springs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And that's the other thing. Our roots are basketball. Yeah. You know? I mean, we're really founded on being a good basketball league. Vic Bubis, obviously a great coach at Duke. And, you know, the, the, the commissioner of the Sunbelt, uh-huh. you know, the first commissioner of the Sunbelt. And um, so, you know, we got to get back to our roots and be better at basketball. We can do that. So for Keith Gill, what is your favorite non-revenue, I I hate even calling it that, non-revenue sport? Yeah. You know, I love sports generally. So um, so I'm trying to think here, what would be my favorite? I mean, I I love softball. Yeah. Softball is a great sport. I love volleyball. You know, when volleyball switched to the rally scoring for me, it's one of the best sports, you know. It's um, it's fast. It's um, great athletes. Um, so women's volleyball, softball, I think are there. I love baseball. I feel like women's softball could become a revenue sport. I think it is in high schools. Yeah, do, do you think? In yeah, uh, yeah. No. Uh, Arkansas State doesn't have a sun or a I know. softball. Will you call some people <laughs> and help us out with that? Because we're really trying to get that going. You have any more questions for uh, Keith? I do. Commissioner. 
we missed the vote in 20, 20 years of Sunbelt football, but this year we're, we're legal. 21. <laughs> what is the marketing plan for Fireball, Jim Bean, whoever sponsored the Sunbelt this year as we are now legal? <laughs> He's like, I, wow. I, yeah, I do I not question. know how to answer that question. You know? only That's why you come on the Fun Belt podcast, right? Because <laughs> you got you to know those are the questions that come. So, you know, I, I think that one is still in the works. Okay. You know, we still got some work to do It's on in committee. That. Yeah, We exactly. get that. All right, well, we'll wait yeah. for the results of that, and we'll get back to you. There's probably like 200 on the list, though. <laughs> hey, we're, we're always here available to try to shorten that list and help pump up the, the, the real stories and the real things in the fun about The important things. I like it. Kamish, we thank you as always for joining us. We look forward to talking to you as football season kicks off right around yeah. the corner. Thanks for having me. And I just want to say, I always laugh most when I'm on your podcast versus my other interviews. I'm always cracking up, so it's oh, great. Well, so it's, I love being here. Come here just for your health. <laughs> totally. Jeremy, I told you. Yep. At the top of the show, Keith Gill, not a fan of the Fireball 21st anniversary of Sunbelt <laughs> Conference football. It's hot. It's the sun. It's a perfect promotion in my eyes, but the man just wasn't having it. Not only that, you had to bring up the Bubba's, didn't you? The Bubba's. Well, it, it's, it's not fair when not every school has an equal chance of winning it. And I'm not saying we need a participation trophy, but... Why should some schools be penalized for not having women's diving? Where did this hatred come from? It's just out of the blue. No, it's 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 <laughs> long been festering. And in addition to that, I was giving him the opportunity to go and create the Gill Trophy. <laughs> well, I don't know if he needs your permission to create the Gill the Trophy. I feel like because he has done so well as commissioner... He can make any trophy he wants. Now, could he replace the Bubba's? Bubba's? Did I say that right? Bubba's? Bubba's trophy? It doesn't matter. Irrelevant trophy. Yes, I I know that it it pays homage to the founder of the Uh Sunbelt Conference. Absolutely. But I'm sorry, I don't like the trophy. (laughs) Well, damn. Exactly. (laughs) Hey, how about a parting shot observation or... What, was, what, what, what is your thing again? Parting shot? Our thing, plugs, promos, and parting shots. Yes, one day I'll remember that. Give it to me, I want to hear. My parting shot, food in New Orleans, always fantastic. But, geez, lay off the salt. Oh, I am more swolt yeah. than the Incredible Hulk. Uh, got a little hypertension going, maybe? There's not enough water, <laughs> beer, or other liquids to flush it all out of the system. Uh, is that it? Is that your parting shot? I think so. Right, I think my parting shot, going into day two, um, you know, this is the first year of two days of Sunbelt Media Days. You know, for years, it was a one foot star until now. was a one-day event. Everything crammed into one day. I find this to be a very, I won't say relaxed, but it's been a very exciting environment for the Sunbelt. What Keith Gill has put together here in his short tenure as commissioner has been extraordinary. Our congrats to Keith Gill uh, for his extension and for, uh, let's uh, hear it for a little bit more uh, incredible leadership in his tenure. As he said, the sun is bright and the horizon is, is shining as well.
Nah, that brought a tear to my eye, Tibbs. Yeah, I think I messed up the quote, but you still get the idea. 